Hello and welcome to another episode of the Book Baby Spotlight Podcast, your home for interviews with authors, illustrators, editors, and other industry insiders from the world of self-publishing. I'm your host, Sam Sedan, joined by my co-host, Jasmine Gale. Hey, folks. Today, we are going to talk about children's books and the best way to promote and create these books. And our guest, Ray Ripple, will talk about her book, When I Grow Up. Jazz, what was your favorite children's book growing up? Junie B. Jones. She was like a really spunky, like took the lead kind of character. And the Lemony Snicket series, Unfortunate Events, Violet as a smart young girl was really inspirational. And the illustrations always helped. Also love how authors and illustrators like collaborate for children's books. Yeah, good choices. I think illustration is one of the few areas where Book Baby has not yet gotten into, uh, but we are here to answer your questions all across self-publishing. So where could someone get their book illustrated? Yeah, some great spaces to find quality illustrators are Fiverr with a budget of $5 or more, as well as Upwork. You might want to find an illustrator when you are finished with your first draft, but definitely have concrete ideas of what you'd like an illustrator to make beforehand. You know, illustration, editing, printing are all moving parts in making any book, especially a children's book. And once your book is illustrated, Book Baby will be happy to take that print-ready PDF. Yeah, and the good part is that since you hire a professional, they'll likely know what a print-ready PDF is. You won't have to mess around with bleed and things like that. True, true. And other important logistics for authors to consider while they're setting up their project Uh, We have the size of the book, also known as the trim size, the type of paper, and how they want that book cover to look. So for an illustrated children's book, we're probably talking square or landscape trim sizes and some of the thicker glossy paper. Yeah, those are like all important things. It's also important like when self-publishing any book to build your fan base and keep talking about your book. Prime time to start promoting is before your book even comes out. This builds all the excitement and anticipation. Also expanding on why you made the book and why you're excited about it are great starting topics. Yeah, I think the the accounts that I like, they usually show their personality and what what the passions are. These authors really connect with their audiences. Yeah, I think someone who really shows all of their personality and fuses those passions into a children's book is a great thing to do. And are we now referring to our guest, Ray Ripple? I am. All right, great, because I think we should get to her interview. Ray Ripple is a metal welder from Texas. She was a contestant on the Netflix series Metal Shop Masters. She's also an artist, public speaker, motorcyclist, and she talked to us about how it feels to add published author to that list. I think writing the book initially, like, I was kind of healing that inner child in me or whatever, but uh, what a way to begin the year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go back to the beginning. How did you get started in metal welding? So I actually graduated from YouTube Academy, which is not a thing, but it should be a thing. So uh, I actually fell into it by complete accident. So I've been in the trades industry for a long time. I didn't really grow up around welding or fabricating, but I have always painted on canvas and transitioned my work from painting on canvas to painting on galvanized sheet metal, like old stuff off of barns and you know, fences and stuff. And because in Texas, everybody in Texas loves everything with a Texas flag on it or in Texas shape. Or So that's kind of like what got me into metal. And then I discovered rivets and tin snips and bailing wire. And I started creating these cool 2D pieces. And I wanted to take my work to the next level. And so uh, I started just binge watching hundreds of hours of YouTube. And uh, 
I finally got like my chance to weld. I uh, had a truck. It was a 1989 F-150 and it was the biggest pile of junk that ever, like I wouldn't even pull into a family dollar because I was terrified it was going to break down. I felt like it was cursed (laughs) to go into a family dollar. So um, at the time I didn't have all the tools to fix it. So I would go to my friend's shop and he had all the tools to, uh, cause I had to pull my steering wheel, call him off. And then he was fabricating on a truck. And after this, I had already watched hundreds of hours of YouTube. And so by, in my mind, I was an expert. I just needed my moment to shine, to be called upon. And, uh, I was like, Hey, you don't let me try that. He was like, have you done it before? And I was like, <laughs> every day. <laughs> and so that's how I started. It became like a drug to me, like the smells, the fire, the burn. And there's just something very powerful about welding and fabricating and like confidence boosts. Like it's not, not just everybody plays with it. And so it's kind of cool. And so being in the trades, like I was already a tow truck driver at the time. And so it just went hand in hand. And so, yeah, now here I am. So you know, if someone wanted to get started metal welding, you know, how do they start getting access to this, to the tools? It seems like a bit of a barrier of entry there. Actually, there's really not like just going and doing it. Like welding and fabricating is all around us. And I don't think we really initially see that it's in our buildings. It's in our vehicles. It's literally in everything that we do every single day. And so like you can literally start with a little cracker box welder you can buy from Harbor Freight or from, you know, a home improvement place for, you know, three to 500 bucks and a grinder. And that can literally get you started. And the only way you're going to know if you're not any good at it, but I mean, the only way you're going to know if you like it is if you try it. And so it's really a lot easier to get into it than you think. That's good. Cause I thought I had a real new expensive hobby after watching the show. <laughs> No, it's really, it's really not that bad. Like I actually started welding in somebody else's shop first. And then I would sell my little sculptures online. Like at the time it was like a trading post. Like we have a community like trading post. Now they have Facebook marketplace. And so this was like a community trading post. And I would sell these sculptures that I had online. And some of them were so awful, (laughs) like so bad. And so I'd sell them for like 20, 30 $40 to anybody. I would give somebody $10 to just take it, you know, that kind of thing. So I would save up money. And then I bought a secondhand plasma cutter and, you know, I would make some more stuff and sell it for 10, 20, 30, $40 and save up more money and got myself a little welder and a grinder and just kept adding to my shop with you know, every sculpture that I sold or every one that I paid somebody $10 to take, you know, like I would just keep adding to my shop and, you know, it it, it really doesn't take much to get started. And so anybody can do it. You just got to have the determination and the mindset to do it. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm really curious because, you know, you've talked about how you uh, do artistry and painting, you know, when you usually start with an idea, do you have one already in mind or do you like, find what's available and then start your process that way? How do you start your process when you metal wield? It actually, I have no plans really. Like I see the sculpture in my head and then somehow it just vomits out of my hands. I don't know how I make it happen. It just, cause I don't really start with like an initial, I mean, I have a sketch, but I mean, the sketch doesn't do anything for what the, what it actually turns into in real life, I guess you can say. 
So yeah, they're all up here and just making them happen. But I don't know, it just happens. I don't know how else to explain it. I think, you know, there's this theory that uh, the only thing that we're ever born with, like every skill that we're, when you're born, you're not born with any skills, right? It's all things that you learn. So the only thing that like artists or writers or creators are ever born with is the creative skill. Like that's just the only skill you're born with. And you don't know how, but some different things in life, they happen and it lights that fire of your creativity. And then that's where things start blooming. So I don't really know where it comes from. It just happens. Well, I think uh, lighting that fire is a good segue to your book. Uh, yeah. When I grow up. So tell me about this book. There's a lot that goes into just this book in particular. Welding and fabricating has always been such a male dominated, dominated industry. And on top of that, like, more females are getting into it every single day, but you'd be very surprised how many five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds are actually interested in welding. Like a lot of people shoot for the job market for, you know, middle schoolers, teenagers, young adults, but that seed is planted so much earlier than we think. You know, I've got flowers that little girls have made me from all over the country that are elementary school aged kids. And, you know, like, I think just in my interactions with young girls too, you know, there's a, a little girl at this restaurant that me and my fiance go to every Sunday before we go on like a long motorcycle ride or something like that. And there's these two girls, this is kind of where the idea started, but there's these two little girls. It's a family owned restaurant. So like everybody works there. The whole family works there. And so the kids go to, and they usually help clean tables or, you know, the younger ones sit behind the counter and we were checking out that day. And this little girl, she's watching her iPad. And I was like, what are you watching? She's like, oh, I'm watching Frozen. I was like, oh, my, my kids are older. I haven't seen that, you know? So I need to, I do need to watch it. I heard it was really good. And her little sister was like outed her and was like, yeah, she watches it on repeat. She never turns it off, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, I'll watch it. And then we, the conversation kind of ended for like a second. We continued to check out. And then she looks at her iPad and she looks up at me and she said, I'm really shy, but I'm a really big fan. And I was like, of me? And she was like, yeah. I was like, wait, you know who I am? And she was like, yeah, I live down the street from you. I was like, you live down the street from me? And she said, yeah, I, at the time, the shop that I had, every project I ever built has outgrown my shop. So I build it in my driveway. So all of my neighbors would see it. And this little girl has been watching me build art in my driveway for a few years. And so that's kind of initially what started it. Cause I was just so like, dang, there's little girls your age that are interested in this. Like, this is insane. And so I think just the more I interacted with these young girls, the more I realized that like we have books about being a nurse and being doctors and, you know, firefighters and police officers. But what if we had a book about a little girl that wants to be a welder when she grows up? Because there's a lot of girls that come out of situations like I've come out of. I've come out of a very abusive home. Both of my parents were addicted to drugs. I ran away from home whenever I was 14. I grew up on the streets. I was a teen mom. I made a lot of decisions after I became a teen mom that, you know, I had to do to survive because I felt like I had no options. But these little girls deserve to know that they have options and that, you know, going to college sometimes isn't what's 
best for them or because we grow up in really poor environments. And so we think that college is just not an option. And so they need to know that, you know, they have options to be anything they want to be when they grow up. And it doesn't just have to be what your typical female job title is, you know, if that makes sense. So that's kind of what sparked the whole book. Awesome. I love the artwork. You know, the background is kind of simple with straight black lines, but then the characters are pictures. How did you come up with that? Well, uh, we are shooting for elementary age kids. And so I wanted it to keep their attention because I know a lot of children's books can be very overpowering with the images and tends to sometimes take away from the story, not necessarily all the time or with every children's book, but sometimes it does. They become a little overpowering. So I wanted to grasp, like hold on to their attention with very simple childlike drawings with just the main characters being the pop of color. So that way it holds the attention of that character. And me being me, super dyslexic, I grew up, you know, in this school system where like I was shunned off into the side and there was a lot of things that caught my attention because of those pops of color. And so I felt like it was very important to, to keep the images simple. So the story is the biggest part of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I really loved everything you were saying about showing young girls pathways in life. Because for me, like as a young kid, I loved reading books. Books were a space where you can understand yourself and how you grow up. So um, I love that. And I just want to know, like, you know, why you chose to you know, utilize book baby to get this book out. Like, you know, tell me how you were like, okay, so book baby is a space to tell the story through. So I actually found you guys by accident, (laughs) by complete accident, by grand design of heavens above. I don't know how I found you guys, but I found you by accident. So when I first started writing and illustrating the book, I had reached out to a couple of magazines that I've been a part of that I've become really good friends with on the back end of editing and stuff like that. Just asking for advice. I was constantly doing research like to figure out the best way to do this because I know a lot of people do go through publishing companies. Some people self-publish, some people just publish on Amazon, um, different things, and somehow stumbled upon you guys, which is basically literally everything in one place, like all of it. And so with my following and with the TV exposure, I had, you know, discussed with a bunch of friends and all, you know, these people from these magazines, and they were like, man, you should self-publish. You'd probably do very well because a lot of people that you've made a name for yourself, you've turned yourself into a brand. I mean, you probably do really well doing it. And so I was like, you know what? It's the first one. If it's terrible, it's terrible. And so why not shoot for it? And so I started Googling different self-publishing options, what the best one was, and I came across you guys. And so whenever I came across you guys, the the packages that y'all offer and the things that y'all do for for self-publishing is absolutely incredible. Like the fact that it's on multiple platforms and like y'all do a lot of, y'all help with the editing process. And with me being super dyslexic, that really, really helped. Y'all have professionals that help with like formatting and all the things that people who don't write books or have any knowledge of writing books, y'all are so helpful with that process. And so it just made sense. And so, yeah, I'm so glad that I found you guys. Well, what you describe as an accident was a well-laid plan for the last 12 (laughs) years. 
find customers exactly like you that publish their books. As soon as uh, we saw the sort of social media following you had, you know, we were talking about it internally to see what we could do to support this book. It, it seems like a surefire hit. Well, I'm so glad that y'all reached out. I'm just so glad that I found you guys because y'all made it just so much easier. You know what I mean? Like, because like, even though I did all the research, there's so much involved. Oh my God. I did not know you. I was so exhausted. I'm sure my family too. They're like, <laughs> We are so tired about, <laughs> about this book. So like, it's just, I didn't realize there was so much involved and y'all really made the process. And every time I called you, I don't know how many times I've called you guys. It was like, Hey, I don't, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me in layman terms? And every time y'all pick up the phone, every time, you know, I've talked to customer service or every time I've talked to somebody in email, y'all have always been so kind and so gracious and so helpful. And so which has made the process so painless. And so, um, yeah, I'm so thankful for you guys. So, yeah. yeah. Glad to hear that. So what has been the reaction to your book? You, you've gotten copies, you've given it out to your friends. What do, what do they say? Yeah, because I actually just had a meeting this morning uh, about it, about doing some sort of uh, book tour with it, which is pretty cool with my agent. And uh, so it's, um, I don't know. I, it doesn't launch till May 3rd. So I actually kind of have a little idea of how well it's doing, but I kind of don't. So I kind of like the surprise, I guess, of what's going to happen when it does launch. But I think this is the book we all didn't know that we needed. And I mean, I know it's, that's a little far-fetched, but even if it releases and it's terrible, you know, which we have to have a terrible book to make good books, you know, but even if it releases and it's terrible, the fact that there's a book about a little girl that wants to be a welder when she grows up and just initially is going to resonate with somebody, it's going to initially resonate with some kid that, you know, grew up just like me that thinks she has no way out and she's going to be a product of her environment. I hope that that seed resonates. And so I'm really hoping that that's, what happens with this. So I, I really don't know what's going on with it right now, but the people that have pre-ordered or that are, you know, that have kids that are into welding or even the kids that aren't into welding and they bought it for themselves because they're trying to heal their inner child. Like, I don't know. I just hope it does really well. <laughs> You're like talking a lot about how self-publishing is a lot of work. There's a lot of steps. So glad that book baby could help you through that process. And right now, you're like in your pre-sale phase. Tell us like how else you're trying to promote this book right now. You also uh, put content on TikTok as well. So tell us about that process of trying to build your platform and how you're promoting the book. Well, social media is free marketing and we, that's how I've made, you know, my name a brand is through social media, through marketing, like whether the content seems like it's outlandish or not like creating it, it gets attention regardless, you know, whether it's bad content or good content type situation. So it could be like a silly little dance or, you know, just posting me pretending like I'm reading it in front of different things. So um, utilizing social media for advertising is like, I think a key thing into it, you know, you don't know what's going to resonate and what's not. And so creating the content anyways, you know, like it puts you out there. And so even if 10 people see it or a thousand people see it, 
that's 10 more than not putting anything out there. So utilizing social media has been a pretty big key in everything I do, even with my art too. So, so tell us about the book tour. You said, where are you going? <laughs> so I don't know where yet, but we're working on it. So hopefully uh, I've got a few of my sponsors involved. And so I'm hoping that my initial goal with it is to take it to elementary schools and let kids, kids love to play video games. And so let them try like a VR welding so it feels like they're playing a video game, but they get to initially try welding and, and fabricating. So hopefully it's it's going to be a lot of places. So I can't really give like full details yet, but we're, but we're working on it. We're working on it. Get those to us if it's before the, the show posts. Oh, <laughs> we'll this sure. awesome <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm not usually one for reality competition shows, but you've I've been uh, binging Metal Shop Masters this past week, and and the artistry is just incredible on this show. So I'm curious, how did you get involved with this show? They they reached out to you. Was that from Netflix, from a production company? So yeah, they reached out to me. And it's all about social media because nobody knows who you are unless you're putting yourself out there, even if it's the silly little dances. And so. Anybody that's listening to this, that's thinking about not posting because they think it's going to make them look like an idiot, please post it and please look like an idiot because nobody's going to know you exist unless you do it. And so that's exactly kind of how my social media following began is, um, you know, just putting my content out there, putting my work out there, putting, you know, my personality out there and who I am and my family and my life and so um, when we did the show, I got contacted like right when the pandemic started. And so they asked me to be on, they found my Instagram. And so they asked me to be on the show. And of course you have to go through the whole casting process and all of that stuff. Um, but then the pandemic happened. And so everything shut down and production was put on hold. And then we finally picked up production again. And so I ended up flying out to LA, but filming during the middle of the pandemic was insane like like constantly being covid tested and like everything is on quote like super close like everybody's covid tested it's basically like a community of just like covid free people that aren't allowed nobody else is allowed in and if anybody gets sick the whole thing gets shut down so it, it was a pretty wild experience but i was out in la for about a month filming so uh it was very intense it felt like almost like a an artist boot camp, if that makes sense. And uh, going into it, I initially was very in my comfort zone with my art and what I'm doing. And whenever I got on the show and saw the quality of work everybody else does and everybody creates, of course, like I was very intimidated and uh, kind of down on myself. Like I didn't feel like I deserved to be there, but I just really pushed myself and like realized there's a lot more to my art than I think I believe, you know, I had initially believed in myself, if that makes sense. So it really expanded my art and my skill set too. And so it was, it was wild. It was really wild. <laughs> so you said you were on set just for a few weeks. Did you become close to everybody that was there in your little bubble? Oh yeah. I love everybody. Well, and the contestants yeah. and I too, we've kind of become like this giant family. And, you know, because all of us do this for a living. And so it was very important to us to take care of each other and all of that kind of stuff. Because we're all doing this, you know, we're all going through the same thing together. It's a very stressful environment. So we needed to, you know, have somebody to lean on. And so it was very important for us, that family um, thing. But even like with the production team and like camera crew and like 
all of the people there, like we all got really tight and became, you know, really close. So yeah, definitely lots of love there for sure. Still hang out with Joe Coy. Uh, yeah, actually he's my homie. I love him to death. Everything you think he would be is exactly who he is. He is like a heart of gold, like absolutely incredible human being. And he's just smart. He's a very smart businessman. But on top of just being a smart businessman, if you haven't had a chance to go see him live, you should totally go see him live because he's hilarious. All right. You're supposed to be promoting you, though, not Joe Coy. So what sort of events do you have coming up? Exhibitions? I do actually have an exhibition next week. And then uh, I go to this build off, the, this DIY build off between these high school students that are building sculptures. So I get to go hang out with them next week. And then I'm actually working on a massive armadillo right now, like 15 foot armadillo. And that'll be out in um, May. And then I get married in June. And there's some stuff in between all of that that I've signed NDAs for. So if you have a fork, save it because dessert is coming. So there's a lot of good things coming that way. And then, of course, everybody will see me at FabTech. And there's a lot of great things coming after that, too, that I signed NDAs for. So just no big things are coming. All right. That was Ray Ripple. She's awesome. We're really happy she chose us to help with her book. Yeah, I'm really glad. I also am really glad I caught a sneak peek at the name with her metadata order. Yeah, I've been keeping also an eye on her social media. She's posting constantly and has been building this brand as the badass welder chick for years. Brand seems kind of harsh. I think she's really authentic. Fair. I, I didn't mean it to be derogatory. I wouldn't say brand, uh, but for sure that authenticity really helps. It seems like she's the same person as a character in her own book or as a, you know, doing an interview on the TV show or on social media. Yeah. How much of the show did you watch? I'm almost on the first season. Again, that's Metal Show Masters on Netflix. The art pieces they create are absolutely incredible. Yeah. I really hope she's leveraging that audience now to sell the book. Interesting. How would one leverage that audience? Yeah. She should be tagging the show's social media handles, as well as Netflix, which has an active team promoting the original content that she can reshare. She can also target any fan groups with Facebook ads. I put a lot of thought of what are the fans' other interests and then targeting those two fine people who didn't even know of uh, Ray Ripple in the first place. We did have one bit of constructive criticism for Ray that we talked about off air. Use the bookshop links. Use them. Yes. <laughs> like Rob Anderson, who we had on earlier this year, Ray has a huge social audience and should send that audience to bookshop directly where she'll make more in royalties. She'll get that data much sooner. It's a really great benefit all around. You should need to trust that your audience wants to do the right thing and you know give you uh, the biggest benefits possible. Yeah. In the interview, she really appreciated that. And I see that she actually updated her site since we talked about it. It's a good move. Awesome. Well, we wish her the best and we will be following closely. Our listeners can check out Ray's book, When I Grow Up, on the Book Baby Bookshop. Thanks again to Ray for joining us. And hey, thanks, Jazz, for the recommendation. How do you feel after your first interview? Feeling good. And it's only going to get better. Excellent. Well, that's all the time we have for now. We'll be back next month with more stories from the world of self-publishing. If you're interested in learning more about our guests, check out Ray Ripple on social media and her book on the Book Baby Bookshop. If you're interested in publishing with Book Baby, our publishing specialists want to hear from you. They're available at info at bookbaby.com or 877-961-6878. Until next time, this has been the Book Baby Spotlight.